Greetings, everybody. I'm Jeremiah. That's him. She's Vanya. That's me. Welcome to another episode of the Beard and Curls podcast, where culture and creativity meets consciousness. And if you're new here, consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite platform for the latest, most exciting conversations anywhere. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Cue that intro. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Margo Bingham. Karen Parsons. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned in. You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in to Beard and Curls. 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 Keep it locked. Today's guest is an Olympic swimmer, a lifestyle vlogger, and a marketing strategist. She made history by becoming the first woman to represent Haiti as a swimmer at the 2016 Olympic Games. We're talking about none other than Naomi Grand Pierre. Naomi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're going to jump right into it. So obviously you made history by becoming the first woman <laughs> to represent Haiti uh, in the Olympics as a yeah. swimmer. So what does that accomplishment mean to you? Um, it's that's a loaded question. So to start, <laughs> <laughs> I, I discovered that the Olympics was something I wanted to go and chase after when I was 10 years old. I was watching the 2008 Olympics and I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is what I want to do. So not only was it super surreal to just like accomplish my dream that I had wanted for like nine years, but to also do so while like making history for Haiti and knowing that it hadn't been done before. It was just like, I, I think to this day, I still like can't really comprehend it. And everyone's like, oh my God, you're, like, you're an Olympian. I'm like, yeah, like I am. But it's so it's still something that I'm like, day to day like figuring out what it actually means to me but i am very proud of that no that's awesome so just kind of little, little, get a little bit of background so you're from canada uh you grew up here in in, in, in the states but then you represent haiti so when did you make the decision that you were going to represent haiti yeah so i think in my childhood i went through kind of like an identity crisis it was very difficult because i was born in montreal i was living in the united states but my parents and my family were from haiti and so there's actually a, a term in psychology now, it's called being a third cultured kid, which like defines that dilemma that you go through where you don't really identify with a specific culture. And so I was going through that and I was like trying to decide like which country did I want to like represent, like which country did I feel like represented me the most. And so in really like deep diving, I was like, I think the culture that I, I relate to the most is Haitian. And so that's kind of what led me to, to, compete for Haiti and swimming and also knowing that if I were to compete for the United States or Canada swimming had like it been accomplished before so it wouldn't have been like that like big of a deal but being privileged enough to live in the United States and just understanding that there were no public pools for people to train in in Haiti or most people didn't know how to swim I was like not only would I be able to like achieve my own personal dream but I'd also be like becoming a role model in my parents homeland so there are like all those things kind of came into play for my decision. Wow. That's, nice. That's true. I like yeah. that. And how was it to train and prepare for the Olympics? It was very difficult. I was a freshman in college at the time. So I was grappling like a full load of classes at the University of Chicago, which is not an easy school. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'd say it was like very isolating um, just because like my training schedule, and my school schedule was like catered just to me. Um, and also competing for Haiti and swimming, especially as a female, like had never been done before. So the whole process itself 
was novel for like everyone. So I'd say like isolating is definitely like the, the word to describe everything, but I had a lot of self-determination and self-motivation. So I was able to push through and the sacrifices were obviously worth it. So. Mm -hmm. nice. So what tips do you have for people that struggle with discipline um, to achieve their goals? Okay. So I would say writing your goals down is the most important thing to do. And it could be like the craziest goal ever. So let's just like take my story, for example, like I'm going to write down on a sheet of paper, like I want to compete for Haiti at the Olympic games. And like, everyone's like, okay, that's like really crazy. Like, how are you going to do that? And yeah. then you work backwards. So it's like, when are the Olympic games? They're like 12 months from now. So then you break it down. So I, okay, I have like 12 months to achieve this goal. What do I need to do every month? What do I need to do every week? What do I need to do every day? And then like, you also once you give yourself a time period, it helps to break it down. So obviously you're not going to go and put in like 40 hours a week on the first week. Like you, you're just going to want to quit because that's such a big jump from like zero to 40. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest like breaking it down into days. So it's like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes on the first day swimming easy. Like it's not that big of a deal. You do your 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, like that was nothing. And then the next day you'll do 20 minutes. The next day you'll do 30 minutes. So if you give your goal like digestible doses, it, you don't discourage yourself and then you're slowly increasing it. And everyone knows that it takes 30 days to form a habit. So if you incorporate your goal into your daily routine, then it's easy for that to transition into a habit. And then before you know it, you look up and it's like, oh my God, I've done everything I needed to do to accomplish my goal. That seemed impossible, but I broke it down and I was able to achieve it. That's like mm -hmm. my number one suggestion. Wonderful. And so for you personally, what was that process like for you to kind of get that down? Because you explained it very well, but what was that? <laughs> yeah, um, I think the, a big part of it is mental for sure. So I think when the opportunity kind of presented itself, the first thing I was like, uh, like I literally can't do this. And I was like, grappling with my own self like is it even worth it like will I even do it and like I had to push past that fear of failure for a really long time um, and then also having my parents that kind of like as motivation and people that I could trust and they kind of helped hold my hand through that process but then like once I got past like that fear of like I don't know failure and I was like okay I'm actually gonna try and do this so creating a plan with my coach and figuring out, okay, like what are realistic goals? What are the meets that I have to go to? So really just planning everything out. So that way, like I could every day, like, even if like, say I'm waking up at five 30 in the morning and like, no one likes waking up that early, but it's like, and I'm super discouraged. It's like, it's five 30. Like I'm tired. I've been training hard for the past three weeks. Like, why am I waking up this morning? But I have that goal in the back of my head. So it's like, the Olympics, Naomi, like, let's go. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of like what my process was like. So I'm not going to say that like every day I was super motivated to get up. Like there are days where it's like, I just want to sleep in and ignore my alarm. But having that like goal in your face every single day, like helps you get through the process. Mm -hmm. No, that's what's up. And have you been yeah. able to translate that to other parts of your life, to other domains? Definitely. As well? Yeah, definitely. I think being an Olympian is definitely a state of mind. And I definitely recognize that like in the Olympic village, like it's just a mental competition the whole time, which is like fun. Like I think, I don't know where, where there's like a certain level of crazy to being an Olympian for sure. But it's, it's definitely translated because I'm an avid bullet journaler. So like I have my goals for like 2030. And so I had, I broke that down for like, what do I want to do in 2020 to like help me get there? Um, so yeah, I kind of am able to translate it now into other aspects of my life. So, 
um, it's exciting. It's cool. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. I, I'm glad you brought that up about the Olympic Village because that's actually something I was going to ask you about. So yeah. what was that environment like? Because you're surrounded by a lot of high achieving folks and different people like that. So what was that like? Yeah, definitely. Um, what was that like? It was definitely surreal would be like the biggest word because you hear about all these people, but then like you're face to face with them. And then there's also like levels to like the Olympic status, I guess, because it's like there's me who like no one in the world had heard about me. And then there's like Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps. So you're just like in the same room as them. And I know like I, I like crossed paths with Usain Bolt and I, I like didn't know what to do because I was like, okay, I'm an Olympian too, but he's like next level. Like, do I talk to him or like, do I give him his space? Like, it's just so weird, but it's really motivating and just like surreal. Like it just didn't seem real the whole time. I was just like, I can't believe I'm here. I've been working for this for so long. And then everyone else is also just like a legend in their own right. Um, but yeah, it was like really cool. <laughs> nice. That's nice. So I was just curious, like when you were sharing about um, your training routine and building habits, like how long do you practice per day? And yeah. how often do you practice like per week? Okay. So yeah, so in the heat of training, I'm practicing six days of week. Every Almost every day is a double practice day. So I'll have like from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. I'll swim and then from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. I'll swim. So that's four hours a day, four times six. It's like minimum of 24 hours a week, either swimming or like going to the gym. And then on top of like that 24 hours of training, you also have to like incorporate recovery and stretching and yoga and mental training. So it's like, it's a whole lifestyle. Like being an Olympian was a lifestyle. And um, because of Corona and everything, I actually stopped training back in December. And I've kind of just been like, giving myself a break, which has been really nice to just like step away from that. Cause it was like my entire life. Like I woke up, I went to sleep and the Olympics was like everything I thought about and every single thing I did from like what I ate, what I did was like centered on my goal of making it to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also going back to the uh, experience at the Olympics. And so uh, obviously you represented Haiti as a swimmer, but then there were some other athletes there as well. who yes. So what was that community like amongst you guys? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. There was a lot of camaraderie and it was cool because we were all Haitian, but we were coming from completely different backgrounds. So some people were Haiti, like straight from ha Haitian, straight from Haiti. Some people were Haitian and they came from like the Dominican Republic or like came from Florida. I was coming from Atlanta, like some were coming from DC. So it was cool to just see like the full scope of the Haitian like identity and how that played itself out in terms of like what made up the team. Um, and like some people spoke Creole, some people spoke French, some people spoke English. So it was really interesting to kind of like navigate that. Um, but I mean, what united us at the end of the day was the fact that like we all had some blood relation to the island. So it was yeah. cool to see that play out. That's nice. If you look at your whole experience, like what would you say was your biggest takeaway from from this whole experience hmm. or the thing you enjoyed the most okay that's like two separate things <laughs> <laughs> so i'll answer the first question first okay takeaway for sure okay. um is that there's there's literally no such thing as impossible and i know like people say that all the time but i think i i actually got to live that because 
when I like kind of announced what I was doing to people, I was like, I'm going to swim and represent Haiti at the Olympic games. They're like, that's like crazy. Like no one's ever done that. Haiti doesn't have a swim team. Like, what are you doing? And so it was like my parents and I, and we were like, no, like we can do this. And so we had to like fight everybody else's opinions and just like focus on my own like vision of like what I saw could be achieved and just chase that and then prove literally everybody on the planet wrong. <laughs> that was like, that's what, that's kind of why my story kind of blew up so much because everyone was just kind of shocked and even like walking on deck and it's like swimming is a very white sport and a lot of like developing nations or whatever term you want to use, like don't swim. So I'm walking on deck with like the Haiti, like, um, like the word Haiti on the back of my jacket and literally everybody on deck is like, who is this person? Like what? And so it was just like really cool to see that and just be like, yeah, like everyone thought I couldn't do it, but here I am literally doing it. So I would just encourage everyone, like whatever like dream or like purpose or just vision that like you have that is unique to you, like don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Cause if you can see it, then like go chase after it until it's literally your reality. Like that's what I did. And everyone thought I was crazy, but I literally did it. So wow, no, yeah. that's very inspiring though. And so have you like had other people reach out to you to talk, tell you how inspiring that was to them to see you do something that had never been done? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for sure it's, it's hard though. Um, because that's like been an interesting journey, I guess. Like people, for example, so I, I was in college when I did all of this. So I go to the Olympic Games and then I come back and I'm just like a college student. And so I think people like found my story like inspiring and incredible and they kind of talked to themselves about it. But it was I feel like people were kind of scared to like come up to me and be like, oh, my God, like what you did was incredible. So it was like my really close friends would be like, yeah, like the whole table over there is like talking about how cool you were. And I was like, okay, but like, I never got to hear any of these conversations. So it's just like, kind of like a disconnect. So people mm -hmm. tell me I'm inspiring and like, I like motivate them to do, you know, the things that they want to do. But I guess like, that's what being an influencer is. So you never get to like, you know, fully grasp the scope of your influence, which is like, weird <laughs> I, I know for a fact my mother's gonna be happy to watch this episode when she sees you on it <laughs> awesome yeah that, so was there ever a point uh during the games like maybe the opening ceremony or the closing ceremonies where the anthem got to be played like did you ever hear that at any point um no so during the opening ceremonies like they didn't play the haitian national anthem per se but there was definitely like a few moments within the opening ceremonies that were super cool like we were walking into the stadium and it was just like Brazilian spectators that were like just lined up and they were all like, they saw us as a delegation and they were like, it's <laughs> so cool to experience that. Cause I feel like my experience as a Haitian in the United States and it's definitely evolved, but it was more so like, Ugh, like you're Haitian, whatever. And I was like, okay. And then you go to Brazil and they're like rooting for you and you're not even Brazilian. So I was like, Oh wow. Like they think we're cool that we're Haitian. So that, that was really nice. And then also um, we got ranked third place um, in terms of like best dressed country in terms of our like national attire and everyone like in the Olympic um, or not the Olympic village in the center of like where we were doing the Olympic parade, like everyone came to us and like wanted to take pictures of our outfits. So that was also like really motivating. I was like, Oh my God, like they think Haitians are cool. Like that was never my experience ever. So that was like just nice to experience that. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's up. I mean, that flag yeah. is probably the nicest looking flag out there. I'll just Definitely. say Definitely. I mean, no bias at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody over what here. What about my flag? <laughs> 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 the Haitian yeah. flag is definitely like best design for sure. <laughs> oh, so that um, any chance we'll see you uh, represent Haiti in Tokyo in 2021? Uh, we'll see. It's like my journey was very, very difficult just because it had never been done before. It was so hard to find support. Um, and so right now I'm like really motivated to like accelerate the next generation of Haitian swimmers to just like be able to do what I did just without all the barriers and the difficulties. And so I found that it was really hard for me to split my energy between helping the next generation while also training personally. So I kind of took a step back so I could help because we have like six really talented athletes that could medal internationally like get the qualifying time so as of right now i am more so on like um a mentorship role but if the opportunity presented itself and i had the support and i had the ideal situation i definitely would say that i have yet to reach my like athletic potential to the fullest and i'm still pretty young um, but I don't want to make any empty promises. So that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your experience in Brazil. Was that your first time? Yes, it was Brazil? my first time in Brazil. It was really cool. Okay, and did you get a chance to to travel a little bit or see more besides yeah. um, swimming? So it was interesting because my race was the last race in terms of the um, swimming timeline. So I was in Brazil for 13 days, 10 of those days was just stuck on training because I I was just focused on like achieving my race. And then once I finished my race, I had two days to kind of explore. So that was it. Like I had two real days in Brazil. The rest of the days I was at the Olympic Village, but I got to see like Copacabana Beach, um, Christ the Redeemer statue. And like, just like take, I took um, the train while I was there. So, um, And I got to go to the Haitian embassy as well, which was really cool. So those were like my main experiences. I do wish I got to stay longer um, to like really, you know, get a feel for the culture and stuff like that. But I'm sure I'll get to go back at some point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've I've lived there for eight months when I did my international um, exchange program when I was still studying. And yeah, so I had a really good time. So I was just curious. What were you um, to see? Yeah, so that's those were like the land. I saw like the touristy things for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you overcome setbacks? Great question. Um, I think one setback at a time. Like you have to overcome the initial hurdle of like being scared of failing. And I think like it's it's interesting. And I actually haven't shared this with anyone yet. So this will be like the first announcement here. But I did. I wrote a memoir on my entire Olympic experience that I do hope to publish at some point. Um, And basically it's cool to kind of look back and, and I guess deconstruct my like mental journey to getting to the Olympics. And the very first barrier was literally like getting past the point where I was like, this is crazy. I probably shouldn't do this because I'm not going to succeed. And like, that was like a really hard like point of tension for me. And then like, it was also difficult because I had to go a specific qualifying time. And so I would go to certain meets and I would not get the time, which is super frustrating if you're like putting all your energy into like achieving a specific feat and then you're constantly not achieving it. And there are so many 
like chances or moments where you like just want to give up and quit and walk away. And I would say like, once you're comfortable with the idea of like failing and not making it and you're past that, like you've already, you know, gone further in the race than the majority of people who like after failing the first time, they're like, you know what, <laughs> whatever, I'm just not going to do it. If you're able to overcome that, then like you're more than likely to succeed in the long run. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. You started out by saying one setback at a time, though. Mm -hmm. I like that. Definitely. So, yes, I like that too. So, if you would have to define failure, like right now, with the experience that you have, how would you yeah. define it? Great question. Um, not believing in yourself is failure. Like, okay. you have to. Yeah. Like, so for example, like if you have an idea in your head, mm -hmm. the moment you're like, oh, I can't do it. Like you failed, mm -hmm. like you didn't even try, like, cause, cause trying and not succeeding isn't failure. Cause you've got to learn by like at mm -hmm. least trying. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, this didn't work. Let me try again and try again and try again until you actually make it. But the second you're just like, I can't do it. Like I'm not good enough or I don't believe in myself. Then like, that's the definition of failure in my book. Mm -hmm. Wow, no, that's powerful. I think I don't remember who quoted this, but it, it, the person said, uh, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And exactly. So, mm -hmm. exactly. Look at it though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, it. It's like if you if you think that losing is failure, then you're not even gonna try. You know what I mean? But if you, if you if you feel like even if I try, I'm I'm winning, then that's like a completely different mindset. And I think yep. with that mindset people would be so much more like bold to try things that they have been wanting for a long time, but never had the courage to do. Correct. And like, even following that, like if you're using that original like mentality you brought up, like in the grand mm -hmm. scheme of things, like I came 56th in my race at the Olympic Games, So like, technically I failed, like if that's how you want to look at things, but it's like, if I didn't go to the Olympics and like get that 56th place, like, I wouldn't have been able to like make that history for Haiti. You know what I mean? So like, it's about your perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as you go and you, you go out and you do it, like no matter what the end result is, as long as you accomplished it, like that is a huge win at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say I can speak for all Haitians, but trust me, that's not how history is going to remember you as, as finishing 56. <laughs> so, exactly. Like, see, and that's, that's, that's the thing. And it's funny too, because even when I was starting the whole journey, I was really focused on like the qualifying time. I was like, there's no way I can go this qualifying time. And so there's no point in me even trying. And I was like talking to different people and they were giving me advice and they're like, Naomi, your focus is wrong. Like, this is not about the time. This is about you representing Haiti. And that's all that matters. And I was like, oh, like, you're right. Like, that's so true. And like, at the end of the day, I never went the time that I wanted to go. And so in that area, like I, I never got to do what I actually wanted to do in my book. But like by changing my perspective, I was like, no, like I'm trying to represent Haiti at the highest level possible. And in that like perspective, like I went and I did it and I succeeded in that right. So it's all about your perspective too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And even if like maybe the next wave, the next generation of Haitian athletes, you know, little girls, the little boys who see that, or yeah. about that feat that had never been done before and they go out and they'll say you know what she made it now i know i can go out there at least i can have an opportunity to get in there and then maybe they might want to do a little bit better and so 
but and by that virtue, you you still won because now you're setting the stage for somebody else to do even higher, you know, go even higher. So exactly, exactly. And it's also like the records that I set are literally meant to be broken. So like, let me motivate somebody to go out and train and like destroy all my records. Like that's literally the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, again, going back to that part about, you know, what you and your parents decided to do, like, you know, people were saying it can't be done. It hasn't been done. We haven't seen it. And you guys went out there and you shattered that mold. I think that's really good because everything is impossible until somebody does it. And so that's mm -hmm. how you have to kind of look at things. Yeah. That, and then also like Haitian history is motivating itself. Like everyone probably looked at us as like, oh, like crazy, like trying to have a slave revolt. And it was like, okay, like whatever. And then obviously the Haitians like went and did what they had to do. And like, that's why we're Haiti. That's why they're, we're the first successful slave revolt. And literally the entire world was like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? And we just like did what we had to do, so. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Look at what that did. That inspired Nat Turner over here to do what he did okay. and everybody else after that. So, yep. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and and it's like it's like the the important thing that you went through is like that that mindset transformation that you're going to carry for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you'll be able to reapply these strategies to yourself and also to with I mean share it with anyone else like inspire other people so I think that's huge thank you mm -hmm. yeah definitely, definitely so with everything that you've got going on training and possibly mentorship and different things like that how do you maintain proper work-life balance I've been journaling for a really long time and it was like really free form for a while so like that definitely helped me get through the Olympic journey like there were so many things that like were just happening in my life that most people couldn't relate to. So by journaling about it, it was how I was able to like get my emotions out. But now like I've transitioned to bullet journaling. And so I'm able to like structure my entire week, structure my month, like set my goals, but also like manage my time in a way that's really efficient. So it's like, I know I'm not a morning person. So I allow myself to sleep in, but that means I have to like be super efficient when it comes to working. Cause I know like, a lot of people are like, wake up at 5.30 and get a lot of things done. It's like, I literally can't function. Like I've been waking up at 5.30 for like 13 years of swimming. <laughs> but it's like, once you know yourself and you apply and you're like able to create like an efficient timeline for yourself, you're able to maintain that work-life balance. But it definitely takes time. In high school, you're waking up at 5.30 in the morning, swimming before school, going to school, training again, and then you have homework to do, but you need to go to bed before midnight before you do the same thing over and over again. So I think like swimming is literally a discipline before it is a sport. And so that kind of was just ingrained into my lifestyle. Wow. No, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And so like specifically like the bullet journaling, like how did you get into that? Or how did you incorporate that piece? Yeah. Um, so I've been journaling for like five years. And then I think um, my cousin in Montreal sent over like a YouTube video about this woman who like just organized her journal in a specific way to, to, organize her life essentially and I was like oh this is incredible and it has literally changed my life I highly recommend everybody to do it it's just a great way to like track your habits accomplish your goals like and just like write down your life instead of just like kind of floating through life in free fall like I like everything I do is intentional and everything I do like is written down and I'm motivated and it's like but it's like in a way that's non-judgmental. Like if I get through October and I didn't achieve all my goals, it's not a big deal. Like I'll just like 
navigate or like plan November out accordingly and stuff like that. But it's a great way to just like keep yourself in check without mm -hmm. like having to depend on anybody else. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, definitely. Does the journal have a specific name? Um, no, it's called a bullet journal, but I can yeah. like go get it really fast. Like, I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I'll be right back. Yeah. This is my bullet journal right okay. here. Okay. And I'll show you kind of how I've organized it. So the front page has my 2030 goals. Okay. So that's like, and especially like 2020, it's such a defining year and it's starting a whole decade. Like that's just like, it's literally writing down your dreams. Like I, and I'm just like translating that. So before it was like, I want to go to the Olympics for Haiti. Like, how do I get there? So these are like, this is the life I want to live in 2030. Like, how do I get there? Mm -hmm. So then I have my um, 2020 goals right here. And so the, that's like how I broke it down for this year. Mm -hmm. And then the coolest part is here. Normally like this is your entire year in a glance, mm -hmm. but I had started a bullet journal already and I got, through it and the year isn't done. So I actually have like the last three months of 2020 on this side. And then the first three months of 2021, mm -hmm. which is actually a cool way to like frame the year. You just like split it in half and most people don't do that. So it's like pretty motivating for me at least. And then I have my entire month that I like do. And it's also nice to like do it yourself rather than like have something that's already pre-made. Cause it just like, I don't know, it just, you're taking control of your life, or at least like that's how I feel about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so then I have my intentions for October, um, my daily affirmation. So this is super important, actually. So when I was training for the Olympic Games, like affirmations are super important. So maybe mentally, I was not at, at the confidence level I needed to be at the Olympic Games. I was like, I can't do this. I'm scared. Nobody has ever competed for Haiti before. This is crazy. But then like, Every day I would like repeat to myself, like, I'm Naomi Grandpierre. I'm going to represent Haiti at the Olympic Games. It's going to be fine. And it's like, I probably didn't believe in myself at all, but I would like repeat that every day until like one day I woke up and I'm like, yeah, like I'm Naomi. I'm qualifying for Haiti. Like I'm going to do this. So it's like now like different things. So it's like completely different now, but it's like I attract abundance daily or like I'm growing and changing for the better or um, I authentically express myself. Like these are goals I have for myself. And so I repeat it every day until it actually becomes like who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have my check-ins and my habit trackers. This is amazing. This side is really cool. Cause like right now I'm like trying to get back into like yoga and exercise or like, I'm trying to learn the piano and I haven't done it at all this month. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to judge myself for it, but like, you can just see like, when you when you do things when you don't do things like how you're doing in terms of like establishing your habits i have like my gratitudes on this side so just like maintaining a grad or a spirit of gratitude um my mood tracker so mm -hmm. has just been all over the place <laughs> um wow. but it's also helpful like i like sometimes i'm just like really anxious and i like don't know why but i can like track it and then look back and be like okay like these are like my, my flows or whatever. It's just nice to know yourself instead of just like kind of mm -hmm. being lost. And then mm -hmm. the last part of the bullet journal is like you break down your month into the week. And so every single day, like you have your to-do list. And then at the end of the week, you hope to cross everything out. And it's just a great way to just like see your entire week in the glance. This is also where like you can manage your time really well. So some people have like the whole hour, like this hour, I'm going to do this, this hour, I'm going to do that. I kind of like to be a little more like 
lax in like my day-to-day -day operations, I guess. But this is my bullet journal and it has changed my life and I highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah, no, that was good. Thank you for sharing that, Naomi. Yeah, you're welcome. Switching gears a little bit though. So with obviously lockdown and COVID and things like that, as, a, as far as dating, how has that part of your life been going? Ugh, it's been very difficult. I like, it's funny. It's a conversation that comes up with me and my girlfriends all the time. And my generation is just frustrated at just dating in general. It's just very difficult. Um, a lot of people like to play games. A lot of people are not clear in their intentions. A lot of people feel like they're wasting their time. And I feel like with social media, like there's a lot of pressure of like having the perfect relationship or like being the perfect girlfriend or like boyfriend. Um, so I don't know, like I've definitely been dating and for me, like, I'm not really a fan of dating apps at all. Like I just like really believe in like organic interactions, which is obviously really hard when everyone's like under lockdown and quarantine. But I think personally for me, like the best way to meet like a person you're compatible with is through mutual friends. So as much as is like COVID safe, like just going over to my friend's apartment and like getting to meet a few of her friends and like maybe a connection will be sparked or something like that. So I don't know. That, I'm, I'm definitely still single. I'm dating, trying to navigate it. It's just hard. <laughs> I've heard similar things from like people like, you know, who are in the process of dating and saying that it's a little different now mm -hmm. because like you mentioned, yeah. a lot of times people don't have good intentions. And if you're serious about it and then other people are not serious, then there's always going to be that clash. Correct. Correct. Is it, so. is it harder now with COVID or was it as hard before COVID? You know, it's interesting for me because I was just like so focused on the Olympics that I had no time to entertain anybody else. So now that I'm like open and available, it's literally COVID. So I don't know. It's like I've been spending a lot of time working on getting to know myself actually and developing a relationship with myself like do you even know yourself before like you go and like try and deal with a whole nother person mm -hmm. exactly and i love that i love that you're focusing on yourself because that really that's the only thing that you can control at this point and so whether somebody comes in your life next month or next year at the end of the day that's not something you're going to be able to control but working on yourself is a lifelong journey anyway so i'm glad that you're making that a priority Correct. but i will say that every month of 2020 it has been an affirmation that has yet to become a reality so i'm like i'm attracting my twin flame like my soulmate is on the way has he appeared no but <laughs> i'm working on it <laughs> tell us a little bit more about your your vlog um the undercurrent okay so the undercurrent um came in my head as an idea of like what i wanted to do transitioning out of swimming so the undercurrent is, is like the name itself just kind of has to do with swimming and like being in the water, but also like talking about things that are below the surface that no one really talks about, but really impacts you. Like an undercurrent can literally like drown you if you aren't aware of its presence. So that's kind of what I wanted to do in terms of like my swimming um, experience. So a lot of what you'll see is like me traveling or me behind the scenes, like at a swim meet or me going to Haiti and like showing people a whole nother perspective that's never talked about. So I actually took a break on the undercurrent just because it takes a lot of time. And 2020 for me has been a very like transitional year in terms of like, I stopped training, I'm going into a career now. So I needed to take time and just focus on myself before I kind of share my life publicly again. But I am planning on getting back on my platform in 2021. And I have a lot of exciting news to share with everyone. So um, I do want to kind of 
tell everyone to like tune in, subscribe, more content is on the way, but I definitely did have to take a break. And what is the career that you're going to go into? Yeah, so I went to school for psychology and marketing strategy. And so I am now a strategist slash thinker at an organization in um, Atlanta. And basically, I'm helping organizations like think through their business and discover their purpose to ensure that they are making a positive impact on the planet and in the market. And I'm very excited to be doing this as a career because I felt like that was definitely my focus within swimming. Like, I wanted to make a difference not only in Haiti, but also like, represent on a global platform like what it means to be a black swimmer and have curly hair and have black skin and having to put lotion on all the time like and just really revolutionize the sport and just like create a conversation that was not in like that was just not being had but it was just necessary so it's cool to be able to translate that yeah i think i caught that uh you did something on your on your vlog where you talked about the hair routine and things like that i thought that was clean mm-hmm Yeah, it's it's cool now. Um, I feel like swimming is definitely a lot more inclusive for other races. It was just very difficult, like navigating swimming um, as definitely a minority. Like almost every single swim meet I went to, I was the only black person on deck. I was the only black swimmer on my swim team. And so just little things like being the last person to leave the locker room because I have to like condition my hair. I have to put like lotion on or there were no like It's just funny because like now like wearing your hair natural is a whole phenomenon and there are finally like products for black women to wear, like black, anyone, black curly hair to use. And so that has just been revolutionary in terms of how to take care of your hair as a black swimmer. So definitely a lot of progress is being made. Nice. Nice. Okay. We definitely covered a lot of ground. So uh, what's next for you? Uh, what can we be on the lookout for going forward? Yeah. So, um, I think for everyone, 2020 has definitely been like a transitional year um, and COVID has set a lot of the momentum back. Um, I'm still very much focused on getting the next generation of swimmers um, to the Olympic Games to represent Haiti. We have an incredible roster of athletes who are like 10 times faster than me, which is super exciting. Um, so I think it's just like working with the Haitian Swimming Federation because there are some athletes who are based in the United States but are by blood Haitian but are having a really hard time like getting access to Haitian passports or like getting visas if you're coming directly from Haiti to get to go to these international meets. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done before we can kind of be on the same playing field as like the United States. And I'm working with some great organizations like She Builds Global Initiative, for example. They're hoping to like create a social transformation by 2040. And so I'm applying my marketing skills and my strategy skills to help them achieve that. So it's really cool. I just like want to keep um, positively impacting Haiti, not just within the sports world, but just kind of all over the place. So there's a lot coming your way. <laughs> It's nice. It sounds like the future is in good hands. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> And Naomi, where can somebody find you online? Yes. So um, social media, it's Naomi HGP. So N-A-O-M-Y HGP. I think it's like right there at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then um, my Instagram has a link to my website, which is just naomigrampier.com. And there you'll have access to my vlog, which I will be starting up soon. Um, Spotify playlist, if people are into music. Um, and yeah, I and again, like I kind of mentioned, I do hope that I can publish my Olympic memoir and kind of share more about what my like 
mental journey has been because I think that's super important and people are finally like understanding the importance of mental health and I think it's cool it's interesting to just like see celebrities and everyone thinks like oh they're a celebrity like it was so easy for them to get there but like no like for someone to become an Olympian like we're all scared like everyone has fear and everyone experiences it but it's like how do you mentally like challenge that fear and how do you get through it and i i definitely like documented my whole process because i was not as confident as i am right now i was definitely like a shy little girl who like didn't know how to speak so just like sharing that with other people so they can go out and do great things too wow that'll be like a whole new level of inspiration (laughs) i hope so i hope so whenever that that comes out whenever you bring that out um you publish that let us know I'd, i'd love to be able to help you um get that word out for sure thank you yeah Awesome. Well, Naomi, again, thank you for everything you, you shared with us. You came on here. You dropped a lot of knowledge on us. You did a lot with us. So we appreciate it. Thank you. It's um it's an honor to be on your platform. So thanks for sharing my story. Well, there you have it, folks. That's our show for today. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, like it or not, Beard and Curls is the new his and hers. hers.